Hello and welcome everybody to the Study in Games podcast. Uh, my name's Tanner. I'm Olivia. I'm Joe. And I'm Brad. And uh, for the final episode of this season in which we are talking about our favorite games, today we'll be talking about Fallout 3, which was my personal pick. Uh, it was developed by Bethesda and also published by Bethesda Softworks um, in 2008. So, uh, yeah, um, Fallout 3, we can just kind of dive right in, was, was pretty much the game that sort of reignited my interest in games. Uh, I played a lot of digital games when I was very young, um, and then sort of from 2000... Two, probably to like 2008, <laughs> I didn't play so much. Uh, but then I got an Xbox 360, and like the second or third game that I picked up was Fallout 3 uh, on Olivia's recommendation, recommendation, and I went crazy with it. I played so much of Fallout 3. Uh, I remember the first time I played, um, I, you know, had to, to ride home, sitting in the car, reading the manual the whole way there. And so back when games still had manuals, uh, and I was so excited for the way the, the diegetic manual sort of framed uh, as a survival guide for this, this wasteland, um, and got home, secretly stayed up late, it was a school night, and played until like 3.30 in the morning. Um, nice. And I remember walking out of Vault 101 the first time, and that was such a cool moment. The, the light blinds that you. That transition and, is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And then I just ignored all the awesome level design I want to talk about, and I just, like, took off in the wasteland. <laughs> um, and so my adventure just kind of went from there, and I was hooked instantly. But, but yeah. So we can kind of open it up. What did everybody... I think everybody's played it before this month. So this is kind of a revisiting. Yeah, yes, yes, definitely. Yes, it is. Yeah. In fact, I had forgotten that I still had save games on our <laughs> PS3. And when I, I had to buy a new disc, I have no idea what happened to our old disc. But uh, bought a new disc from GameStop, put it in. Um, GameStop, if you want to sponsor us, uh, you can go ahead. Um, put, put the what, disc in. What that run you for that disc? Um, I don't remember. It wasn't, it wasn't much. I think nine bucks. Maybe. Nine dollars. Seven, seven bucks, something like that. That's about what I, I paid on the... Uh... The service from which I bought it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who is not sponsoring us. Which will not sponsor us, right. Um, Popeye's a GameStop. <laughs> um, Free chicken for all. Yes. Yeah, but it came up with my old save game, uh, and I it, it made me laugh because I designed this sort of quasi-Native American, slightly Latino, I don't even know why, just... I think I think that's where my, my first option just kind of led me to, and his name was Isa Crowsong. That was my first character. So nice. He didn't, he didn't get very far. Um, but yeah, uh, you mentioned that first scene, uh, just so fabulously done. That difference uh, of going from the underground and and out into the world for the first time, and the directions that you can go in. Uh, especially after the, the that that when you're in the the character creation and you're underground, it's so uh, it's pretty linear and, and closed off. You don't get a big sense for how big that underground the the, the vault is. Mm -hmm. um, so when they let you out in the real world, it's kind of cool. But yeah, yeah. Chasing after Liam Neeson. Right. <laughs> right. I had a similar you experience. for so many lines. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten that he was in it. So that was a. a, a, yes. a, a, a Nice, uh, pleasant surprise, too. I had to dig up my, my old Xbox 360 because there were, used to be, like, an age limit on buying DLC. Uh, <laughs> so I had to make a fake account um, to buy the DLC, which is what Xbox support told me to do when I asked them that. I'm like, is, can I change my age? Like, I, I just want to buy the DLC. Uh, I already have the main game, so what does it matter? Anyway, um, so I had to drag out the old Xbox and manage to reset my account Just to pull to everything the forward. <laughs> yeah, but while I was there, I still opened up my. So own let this be a lady, uh, a lesson to you, ladies and gentlemen. We've we've already gotten a young teenager who's stayed up way too late uh, when he's on a school night and should have been playing games, and and he's. Uh, Faked a different account yes, so he could right. get underage deals. Violating Microsoft's terms of service. Exactly. <laughs> Microsoft is also not going to sponsor us. You're going to okay. get home and our Xbox One's going to be like... Totally. Verbal okay of some <laughs> random customer service person. Exactly. He's not going to remember that 
They told you that. Poor Stop just babe. short of stealing the credit card out of my mom's purse to pay yeah, for right. it. <laughs> Problem child. <laughs> yeah. Of all the um, things you could buy. But now you're an upstanding citizen with degrees and you're you're doing good, good work all in your community. To that yeah. Yeah. Developing games, Being mentoring teens yes. in the community. So helping many, them to learn. <laughs> so many good things. Um, also, I guess we forgot to mention that sort of the reason that, that Tanner's been focusing so much on his personal experience with this game is because this season we're focusing on games that we are personally really meaningful to us. And, and honestly, I would have been really mad if Tanner didn't pick Fallout 3 for his game because he would have been wrong about it. <laughs> it's so, Good job <laughs> making the right choice. Right? Yeah, so that's the thing. Um, it's definitely sort of an obsession for both of us, but especially yes. for him. You should see our, our office. Should, yeah, it's bad. It's Fallout heavy. Yes. Yeah, well, I the first time I played Fallout 3, which was in 2008, mm-hmm. I think it must have been, um, I probably played it for a hundred hours or so. And this most recent term, I actually didn't think I'm really snobby about graphics. And so when I, I have a hard time going back to old games because yeah. I'm just like, oh, I don't want to. Yeah. Now that I know what they can do, I don't want to go back to these like, mm-hmm. but I played probably close to 70 hours this time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I hit, I had never in the past, I hit the 20 at, level 20 cap the first time but i didn't have any dlc Mm -hmm. so this time i hit the level 30 cap um and went to point lookout and and uh did the whole broken steel series and never did get to anchorage or those other ones but um let me throw in and ask you real quick um you have trouble with first person shooters with the graphic uh 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 the vertigo and seasickness or car sickness kind of thing yeah um how was it in this game? This one didn't get me. Um, after like, after three to four hour stretches, I had to stop yeah. because it was like mm-hmm. too much. But um, I think it's an interesting question because my my suspicion is that I had I had already played this, so my brain. This is my guess: is that my brain was like some loop was saying, "Oh no, it's fine." Yeah. So on some unconscious level, it was just telling me it's okay. It's not going to make you. Um, but. I actually, so we can talk about a million things about Fallout 3, but one of the things I want to talk about is um, experience and questing as motivators for pursuing, um, for, for the loop. So the loop, again, obviously the Fallout 3 loop for me is super satisfying if I played 70 hours of it in the last six, five, six weeks um, after having not played it for a decade. But as soon as I hit the level 30 cap, which was a couple of days ago, I basically stopped completely. Mm-hmm. And I had no, was over. I was basically not, I was in the middle of a quest and I was like, eh. yeah, you know, once the little thing that tells you you get experience stops happening. Oh yeah. I, I just like my, and I still had some interest in the quest. I was like, oh, maybe, but then I just thought, oh, but there's no more experience. So I, I'd like to talk a little bit about that at some point, yeah. because for me, that's a really interesting phenomenon. I kind of wish we could do a whole season of Fallout, because that just leads into like a broader discussion mm-hmm. I have with like some of the choices they made in Fallout 4, but that's that's probably too big and to And in other Bethesda it. games, yeah. you know, and how... Sure, like Fallout Shelter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll pick. Wait, the mobile, mobile or the here. desktop one? <laughs> and Fallout 70, we don't talk about that one. <laughs> I thought you guys loved that. Uh, well, that's a different conversation. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fallout 86? I'll play anything that has the Fallout logo. Fallout okay, 99. Right. So can well, we say what our characters are? Did you use your same character name? I uh, forgot what I called my guy. Okay. Probably, yeah, probably something like that. I usually just name him my username, so Issa, some some version of Issa. Uh, okay. Issa McFly or Issa Fly or Issa, <laughs> the, yeah, Issa nice. Fly Boy. I think mine, I don't remember explicitly, it's probably James because I end up naming all my Fallout characters James. Uh, so after your why? former roommate? After my middle name. Oh, right. Yeah, especially during middle school, I was not fond of the name Tanner. Wait, wait, wait. It also makes sense in Fallout 3 because it's your dad's also your dad's name. James. Yeah, there's a lot of different levels to it, but the, the real reason is that I didn't like my name in middle school. And so I was like, I'm going to call my character James. Okay, uh, nice. So 
I made my character based on Janet from The Good Place. Oh, <laughs> so nice. High intelligence. That's so funny. Like, it's like an intelligence strength build, so I use unarmed and laser weapons. <laughs> That's cool. I and also, always said yes to everything anybody asked me to get for them or to. <laughs> that is very Janet. Yeah. I actually also picked a TV character. I named my character Archer. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I felt like Archer would do well in a post-apocalyptic oh wasteland. I'm surprised There's they alcohol have everywhere and so many drugs. Yes. And uh, lots of people to fool around it's with. It's actually interesting. So I used to get really, really invested in like creating the narrative of my player character, mm -hmm. but now I, I just get so much more enjoyment after having something to base it on. Like a pre-existing. Sure. Yeah. Like I do that with most open world games yeah. and MMOs and stuff lately. I don't know why. Um but yes, I mean, which is weird because normally in Fallout, I do melee almost exclusively. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I get my shish kebab and I stab things. <laughs> so, usually my, so I want to do something a little bit different. So yeah, and it was so weird for me not being able to pick locks. I was so used to being able to pick every single lock <laughs> because oh. it's like my lowest skill of my new build. So different play style. Oh, well, I, I've, I totally did the opposite of that. I picked the same basically sneaky thief uh light weapon uh that's normally what ranged I do character that yeah. i did i do in skyrim yeah. i did in elder scrolls yeah. online everything that i do is an yep. archer thief the classic overpowered bethesda character yes yes because yes. i'm lazy <laughs> yeah. and i want to play i want easy it's so fun though like, it really is like i played like i think two separate playthroughs of skyrim that were just variations of that yep. like, yeah me too. all right i did it now i'm gonna do it again <laughs> yeah it like again. <laughs> but a female character this yeah. time. why not <laughs> you end up shooting arrows that do forty thousand points of damage with yeah. sneak attack yeah. bonuses yeah. Uh -huh. and yeah that's really sad because you've messed though. with the like the <laughs> enchantment uh loop where you get this is a total sidebar. Do you guys remember this? Yeah, yeah. Where you can enchant yeah. and then potion and then enchant, mm -hmm. and you end up getting armor and weapons that are like virtually infinite power. Morrowind was even more so because mm -hmm. you could you could do a whole lot more um, fixing of the spells and the the enchantments yep. and the items that you were making. Yeah. But Fallout Back to Three Fallout. <laughs> doesn't really have the crafting system. Right. There's some things you can make. Yeah. But that's it. But it's not. Unless you mod it. Classes. Yeah. Anything There's no like classes. That, yeah. yeah. You just kind of get your, your tag skills, which yep. give you a slight bonus in three perks. Which mm -hmm. I really like the simplicity and the openness mm -hmm. of that whole system. That's, mm -hmm. that's one thing that I like about Bethesda games in general, and even Skyrim where you're kind of in a class, but you have a lot of leeway mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. what you do. I love that they've never really pigeonhole you. Um, even Elder Scrolls Online, which does have to pigeonhole you because it, it's still a lot more. You have yeah. so many things that yeah. you can do, and I think that's just brilliant. And this this sort of leads into something I think I want to talk a lot about with Fallout Three. But uh, their skills seem really open, but there is a, a pretty clear progression that they want you to follow, especially for perks. Yeah, for perks, and I mean those those are somewhat level restricted, yeah. but but Let's... like even the progression and like the skills that you choose have an order. Uh, that I mean, you can do anything you want, but like if you go super hard into energy weapons at the beginning of the game, right. you're not gonna you're gonna find like a laser pistol until you're like level fifteen. Yeah. Well, see, that's um, really interesting though because it it's it to me that might be one of my only problems with sort mm -hmm. of the leveling system, right? And this is a problem with a lot of open world games. So I and honestly, I feel like they handle it so much better than other games do, mm -hmm. uh, because they usually provide lots of options, but. Like if you if if you have the prerequisite knowledge going into this, that's like okay, if I want to defuse the bomb and megaton, I need to start with twenty five explosives and or fifteen explosives and twenty five repair. Yeah, I'm gonna do that before I do yeah. anything else. Yeah, and it's we gotta repair those water pipes too. Yeah, the water pipes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so stuff like that is really interesting, right? But you know, because of the nature of the game, you you can just not do that right now and yeah. then come back later, mm -hmm. no matter what. But specifically with the, the weapon skills, I think it's a good example of something they do a lot through it, and that's they they it's an open world game, so you can do anything you want, but there's a lot of pushing and pulling and tugging to try and get you to mm -hmm. follow a preset path mm -hmm. that's been very carefully designed and curated. So you're going to start leaving Vault 101 with a baton and a pistol. 
So you're probably going to put some points into melee weapons and pistols. Maybe the unarmed. Unarmed's always kind of been like a weird, you know, way to fit in. Yeah. And then there's also lockpicking and hacking before you ever leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're probably not going to care that much about like barter and uh, repair and things like that that you haven't had a chance to need yet. Um, so they're already priming you for those, the skills that they, they're going to throw at you really early on. Yeah. Uh, and then as you level up and progress through the game, you know, you'll find like, oh, now these energy weapons are just objectively better than yeah. all the ballistic yeah. weapons. Well, and um, I mean, there are there are some strange balance issues that on the second time of heavily playing it, we're mm-hmm. much more exposed. Yeah. So by the time I didn't start putting any points into barter except books I found until probably level 26. And I already had like 16,000 caps Yeah. by the time I got... And I was just putting points into barter because I had nowhere yeah. else to put them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, for me at least, like, like I don't think I... Once I figured out the ropes way back when, I don't think I ever put points into charisma. Like mm-hmm. I have like a one charisma yeah. for every character I play. And it's unfortunate because like there seemed... For me at least, there was no motivation to use those points in that way. Yeah. You know, because I knew it was going to affect speech checks, but I could mostly, for anything critical, the speech checks were always going to be just one way around it anyway. That's, uh, that's actually yeah. what I, I really appreciate about this. Uh, the, the way that they give you so many different ways to uh, uh, overcome an obstacle, including uh, speech checks, and, and, uh, uh, and each one of them is different. I played so many games where when you come up to... Uh, uh, a conflict, you get maybe three or four choices, and they're almost always the same. You can either buy your bribe your way out of it, or lie your way out of it, or fight your way out of it, or try to run your way out of it, or something mm-hmm. like that. And they they always seem to be the same four choices, or five choices, or three choices, and they always seem to be weighted almost the same, or, or weighted on the same uh, the same skill percentage, and then the outcome is the same for all three or four of those. Where in this, yeah. th- there are so many different ways to do it, even within, like, there are multiple ways to do it within an interaction with a character, like um, uh, Moriarty, that first quest that he sends you on to, re- to to bring back the stuff that the woman took, um, I'm terrible with the names, but... Silver. 30 pieces of silver. Yeah, well, there you go. So, <laughs> the biblical, yeah. should have remembered that. Uh, so, so he, he, he sends you out for that, and you, you have... So many responses that you can give to him, you can double cross him in multiple, multiple ways. And then you can go and you have an almost as many different choices to make with her that reshuffle that whole sort of deck of choice cards there. And the way that they did that and made them all different and all weighted and feel original in each individual piece was really, really cool. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so sort of going back to the way the uh, like charisma being sort of a dump stat. Yeah. Um, that's one issue I think that's been that's sort of hard to solve with that system is, is when you have the special values, which are sort of the innate traits of your character that contribute to but can be like totally overridden by just like dumping skill points into it. Yeah. The actual mm-hmm. skills, right? Because you could have one charisma and still have 100 barter or speech, mm-hmm. and you're still passing every speech check because you've practiced so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that always bothered me a little bit. Um, but then I just made a perfect character anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting is there are obviously. Um, we didn't talk about modding. So I, I added a couple of mods this time around, um, which were really just cosmetic. Um, I wanted to have some good weather, so I added a weather mod, and I, I added a mod that kind of made the color just a little more vibrant and not quite so green. Um, and it actually, interestingly, had the weather app had a, um, or mod had a, a, a special sneak thing. So if it's a storm, your sneak it like goes way up because it's like the weather, you know, makes it makes you sneakier, right? Because yeah. it's loud and rainy, and which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And and obviously because I like to sneak as well, I took advantage of it. But um, but there are mods, one of which I think is super interesting, which um, cap your maximum skills based on your mm-hmm. your traits. So if you have a one charisma, you can never get speech above like twenty. Yeah. 
Um, and that that seems way more like it seems really smart when you think yeah. about somebody making that change. Yeah. Um, and uh, I didn't play with that mod, but but I like the. I, in the end, I want to get hundred skills in right. all of my. <laughs> I want to feel like a god. So. <laughs> but. Um. But yeah, I mean, talking about because you talked about like sort of the different quest threads and stuff. Mm -hmm. Really, like one of the most biggest takeaways from Fallout 3 upon revisiting is just the immaculate level design. Yeah. Like, because we've talked about on and off this podcast about how amazing that moment of walking out of the vault is and the subtle cues in the environment that, mm -hmm. and even if you start going the wrong way, like they still sort of have lots of cues that even if they don't put you where you, where they want you, it still puts you at something interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, but even just looking at Megaton, the sort of first, like, starter town, for example, I definitely had forgotten exactly how many plot threads come yeah, out of that town. It's crazy. Um, because there's the main quest, which you have to do a couple side quests in order to, you know, get out of Megaton for. There's Moira Brown stuff, which sends you all over the place. Yep. There's Wasteland Survival Guide. Moriarty. <laughs> there's, uh, there's the Children of Adam. Yeah, Mr. Burke and the Arafu quest, the Mr. Burke quest. But it's the what? Which one? The Arif Arafu, the vampires? No. No? I didn't get that one. Oh the my family. gosh, the family. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, oh gosh, the, the, that's the, so good. The woman in the bar wants you to take a letter to her brother. Okay. And after many twists and turns, you find out there are vampires living in the... Yeah, that they're vampires. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And you can get a perk which lets you heal from blood yes. packs. Oh, nice. Page. I'll um, have to look that up. That sounds cool. It's really cool. <laughs> I refused it. <laughs> it's against my nature. Well, well but, but I was just going to say that to say that, and it, it is again in Rivet City. It's not, it's not as dense as it mm. is in Megaton, but I just like immediately got totally baffled at because all of these things go to, you know, different side quests, but sometimes those will send you on another and you'll just start, you'll just go. And yep. it's yeah. just... And they're also, it's not, it's not like a lot of RPGs do it where there's a, this hub and in this hub you see lots of characters with exclamation points above right. their head and now you have this list of side quests. Like it sort of does that, but it feels so much more organic. I, yeah, than, I was just thinking, you know. yeah. And they do a good job of making those grow out of your initial objective, yeah. which is really broad, which is just find your dad. Yeah. And there's so many different ways to do that. Yeah, yeah um, you, can, you can accidentally bypass the first... Like forty percent of the game, yeah. If you, if just, you just randomly end up start in the right exploring place. Yeah. and find them, we've um, talked about that several times on throughout this podcast, uh, previous podcasts, about how putting so much content in, and I mean, I remember you saying in one podcast, Joe, that it's, uh, I think it was the one about the whales, uh, Nantucket, Nantucket. <laughs> how it's that was one of your biggest complaints with that was that they had all of these opportunities to put a whole lot more. A really, really small, crunchy, variable uh, content that's relatively easy to sit down and write. You yeah. know, when you get smart people together and you can write that kind of thing. But Bethesda in general, but in this game in particular, uh, they do such a great job of filling all that stuff out and, and really creating setting and narrative and the whole the whole world together with it. So I know we said we weren't going to talk about Fallout 76, <laughs> but I actually think that is some of the best writing really? that Bethesda's ever done. It's just because there aren't any NPCs, you yeah. just have to read it all. And it's all in like the, uh, the environmental storytelling. Yeah, I'm horrible um, at that. Yeah, so, but I think that's where Bethesda really shines in a lot of ways, yeah, um, are those sort of small vignettes that you, you stumble upon and read a right. note. Every game, all the way back to Daggerfall, the first Bethesda game yeah. I think I played, they're, the they fill it yeah. with books and with, with things that you can actually read and all these notes that are, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, inconsequential to the gameplay, mm -hmm. but they build that world make up. Make it feel bigger. Make it but so I still, much bigger. I feel like Fallout 3 is like the absolute peak of them doing that. Yeah. Because there's so much, like, because there's so many stories that they tell without having books to read or without mm -hmm. characters to talk to, right? Or even a note to pick up or anything like, like that. Like, just based on the placement of objects in an area, yeah. it's just so, so incredibly telling and horrible, usually. Um, yeah. I just remember this one that I found for the first time. I'd never noticed it before. Um it was in the, the metro tunnels. It was in, like, the main metro hub. 
there's like this little corner off and it, it's not on like the main path it's like off down past this pile of rubble i thought i was like about to glitch and end up having to like reload my save file because i was <laughs> climbing in a weird place and um and i found this like this bed and there was like a stash of stuff there's a whole bunch of grenades and a whole bunch of alcohol and a couple dead bodies <laughs> but what was really interesting about it was that there was a, like a cage with a person in it that was dead but at the outside of it, there was a ring of dirty water bottles in a circle around them that were, like, just out of reach all the way around this course. And I was just thinking about, like, the process of making this game and yeah. taking the time to position all these little yeah. water bottles and all the little things just to sort of look at that, and you can immediately tell what happened there, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it's just so compelling, and I love finding those things. Yep. I can't and remember. Is this the game, or was it Fallout? Uh, was it New Vegas that had Indiana Jones and a refrigerator in the... That was New that Vegas. Was New Vegas, Vegas. yeah. yeah. And they had a, a thing where you could get a perk, and it turns on the really wild ones. So then there's, like, the granny gang, and it's, like, yeah, a bunch New of old Vegas ladies who had, come and beat you up. had a bunch of, w uh, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I think the lack of characters in Fallout 76 emphasizes those moments even more, because that's where... Like, mm -hmm. you're sort of forced to pay attention, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's the most interesting. Like, the skeleton in the corner the is only. the closest thing to, you know, a living being yeah. that you run into most of the time. Well, it's uh, interesting that we're talking about how deep uh, the feeling of role-playing is, the feeling of choices are, because they give you so many options and so many different ways to go about things. And the fact that it's so open that, it, you, like you said, you can skip 40% of the, the first part of the game and still get there. Did, when uh, New Vegas came out, pe people loved the people who loved New Vegas. Didn't they trash Fallout Three yeah. because they said it wasn't uh, role play enough? There's yeah. a lot of reasons. I mean, there's there's a lot of debate about why one's good yeah. or why one's not. Um, it just did different things, and it just felt like a different. Game. I remember enjoying both of them. Yeah, me I too. I yeah. absolutely love them all. I love yep. you know Fallout yeah. Four as well. And there's a little bit of an issue of like. Like Obsidian loyalists, because a lot of the people who worked on the original uh, series oh, had made their own company, yeah. which is Obsidian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it used to be Black Isles. Black Isles yep. Studios. Yes, and so so Bethesda handed it off to them to make Fallout New Vegas, which is kind of a an honorary Fallout Three. Like it's right. pretty similar to the Fallout Three that they were originally going to make before they sold the series. I see. So you get some people who, mm -hmm. with that mixed with the fact, that I yeah, didn't realize Obsidian this. does a little bit better writing and. Uh, in my opinion as well. Okay. I prefer Fallout 3, but uh, I think their writing's a little bit better. Mm. Um, I think their level design is nowhere near as good, though. <laughs> uh, Fallout New Vegas is just a loop. If you try to go the wrong direction, you run into the hardest enemies in the game yeah, and they yeah. murder you. I and the rest of the that. game is just it's, drive counterclockwise. It's a lot harder to feel yeah. like you can just yep. go. Yeah. Um, whereas stuff with like in Fallout 3, as soon as you walk out of the vault... There's like four things in the distance that will look really interesting to mm -hmm. see. And rather than putting a bunch of enemies in your way if you go the wrong direction, there's a lot of nothing for a while. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whereas as soon as you walk out of Vault 101, you can see Megaton. There's a school full of raiders. There's a lot of stuff that's pulling yes. you in the direction they want you to go. Springvale. And even small things like you, you walk down the hill from the vault, and as you're jumping off the cliff... You have to walk through a puddle of irradiated water. Mm -hmm. That was something I noticed this yeah. time. They force you to step in a puddle... That gives you radiation damage, and so it exposes you to that mechanic yep. on your way to right. where you're going. Yeah. And it's, like, the one way to get through this, like, crack in the, like, guardrail. So it's, like, yep. there's so many tiny little details like that. Um, yeah. And the interiors, right? I mean, so I paid more attention to interior yeah. level design this time. The one I paid the most attention to because it was, I found it super annoying, even though I thought it was well-designed, was... Um, the National Guard Depot, which has a bunch of busted ceilings and floors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you spend, it becomes like a like a maze where all your ends are sort of visible, right? Because the whole, the building's mm -hmm. been hit by a bomb, it looks like. Mm -hmm. And so it's got yeah. like the ceilings gone, but you have to, so you have to trace your way like through, like up to level two, then down to level mm -hmm. one again, then up to level three, just to get to the point where... You get the bobblehead that I was after. <laughs> Once you get there, there's a locked door that can only be opened with five hollow tapes. Yes, the, the Keller family. Yeah. yeah, which I did not finish. I right. I got three of them, and then I I never found. I I had an idea where the other two were, but or you can kind of like rig the camera to. You can. The there's a glitch. You can do. <laughs> <laughs> there is a glitch. 
Oh. But yeah, I mean, the interior designs of some of the vaults, like I did the quest, I don't think I did Agatha's song the mm -hmm. first time I played, mm -hmm. and doing the quest this time in vault, um, is it 92? Where the where you get the Stradivarius violin? I think it's 92. It sounds right. Yeah, where which is just... a bunch of super mutants. Exactly. Um, it's actually Mirelurks and, and Mirelurks. Which one's the super mutant? That's 87. And that's the one next to Little Lamplight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, oh, yes. That's the one by Applebee's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next door to the Buffalo Wild Wings. Exactly, that's who it. Yeah, that's where the supermans are. That's where the gek is. Too. Okay, but that so so literally just that little interaction also brings to mind <laughs> how much like variety there is in the quest in yeah. Fallout Three. Like the things that you're doing, mm -hmm. you're getting a Stradivarius violin in an airtight container from like a waterlogged vault. Yeah, there's where they were doing crazy like low-level white noise experiments to make people go crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're fighting a gang that claims to be vampires in a, you know, in an underground, like, a, a metro station. Yeah. You're, there's, we can't forget about Harold. The living tree. The, the tree in that's Oasis, alive. Yes. Because he was a ghoul that had a seed lay in his head, I guess, and he just, it just grew. And just, like, it's just, it's so over the top, but it feels so... Yeah. Grounded in this, yeah. like the, the humor in Fallout. The very, very, very wonderfully dark humor. Yeah, it's the right level never, of dark right, humor. Never yeah. stops. Um, yeah. A lot of that's in the environmental storytelling that we talked about, but a lot of it is just super in your face all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with just the ridiculous characters and. Well, I mean the ridiculousness of the goat test and the. Oh the my god, it's and so the, funny. The, the, yeah. Uh, the the yeah yeah all the cartooniness right in the face of all this just brutality. That that was a nice. So one of the things that that kind of bothers me, and it's a genre issue, not a, not particularly the game, is post apocalyptic genre. Um, it, it it gets a little tedious because everybody is always, even the happy people are gruff and desperate. Mm -hmm. Like every element of the game is everybody living on this edge, which is just the design of post apocalypticness. Uh, and I, while I'm really interested in that, uh, as like the Mad Max movies, for example, yeah. mm -hmm. um, it does get tedious being in that, and everybody has this certain prerequisite level of gruffness and desperation. And, and it's kind of Western Western games and Western genre is sure. the same way. Yep. Um, that everybody, everybody seems like one trick ponies in this. Um, even though there is a lot of variety in this game, and they do a great, great job of. Keeping that variety, um, I was going to tie this into a bigger idea. Then I forgot where I was going with it. But that was one of the tedious things that, again, is more genre a genre problem for me than than anything it, that that Bethesda did or this game does in particular. Well, it is. There's a kind of interesting contrast, and and this I noticed more on this playthrough as well. So the writing for me, I. I can't remember whether I like Fallout's uh, uh, New Vegas is writing better. All I know for sure is that I forgot how much I enjoyed the writing in this mm -hmm. and how how much of a pleasure it is to listen to the characters mm -hmm. and to just experience both the environmental stuff and the notes mm -hmm. and the little like bits, but also just the larger quests. Um, but there is then kind of a weird contrast when you, when you sort of pit that against the very... This, like if you take the faction, just the Raiders faction, right? So like if we just talk about the Raiders for a second. You know, the Raiders, there's no there's nothing to distinguish one Raider from another mm -hmm. virtually across the entire way. Sometimes they'll say yeah. the same voice line at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and they're all evil, right? Mm -hmm. I mean evil in the sense that they're automatic enemies that you can never befriend. Um, but even like and then if you if you sort of think about that also alongside the sort of karma system, right, which even assuming I wanted to be sort of super evil, which I almost never do in games like this, I always want to be like the maximally good, but even assuming I wanted to do that, the raiders would still be my enemies, mm -hmm. right? So so there's no, so there's some weirdness in terms of dramatic motivation and dramatic stuff that yeah. I, like looking back now, so I, I wish those things could be sort of improved. And that's really interesting too, because that's also a problem I have. So if you're playing the game, I mean, obviously you can play it, you can just, you can kill everyone in Megaton if yep. you want. You can just do not, you can not do the plot if you want. It's a valid way to play the game, but if you're 
playing it sort of the way it's designed to be played, like you sort of have to be at least neutral, like because you mm-hmm. you have a goal and you have to interact with people and you have to get things from them, and like there's sort of like a and that's a problem I've I've had with sort of the D and D alignment system too. Yeah, like yeah, they have evil and chaotic on there, right? But is that really going to work unless your entire narrative is structured around making that work? You know what I mean? And, yeah. and in Fallout, it's not. In most of these games, it's not. Um, so, yeah, honestly, so the karma system, I think, I honestly find it sort of, the way that it frames it with the whole, you know, the way vault Tech advertises it and with all right, of the right, perks right. that are centered around it, like, it's it's entertaining in that way, but narratively, it's I've never really been a fan of yeah. that. I, I've always felt like it was a little bit um, it's contrived. Well, to me, it felt meta, so I didn't. I didn't dislike it, mm. but to me, it wasn't that. That was your actual, like karmic alignment based <laughs> on the things that you're doing and the person you are. But that's part of you building the legend of like the lone wanderer, and that's sort of how you'll be remembered. Are you this like paragon of virtue, which I think is actually what the is right. called? Um, <laughs> or are you like this vile, despicable person who's feared, and you're essentially the boogeyman? Um, so, so less than like your actual interactions with people, but, like, the legend that you're creating. Yeah. It was always how it felt to me. There's not a lot that actually like, yeah. contextualizes That does it that make way. sense, but as far as, like, you know, when you're playing the game and this thing is telling you this <laughs> yeah. thing bad, you know... When the random headhunters show up because you're either yeah. too good or too evil. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, so um, what's what's fun to me, for me to think about in terms of the, the aesthetic experience is that I actually find it very comforting to know who my enemies are, right? Mm -hmm. So as a game player, and as someone who wants to enjoy this experience and find it like a great loop to to go over and over and over again, I love that when I get a certain distance from something, it turns red. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's something I'm going to kill. As a designer, I kind of like playing with the idea of, yeah, it would be much more, in a way, much more interesting to have everything green Right, and some games do this, right, where you yeah. you can come right up to things before before they give you any indication whether they're going to attack you or not. Again, part of me feels real comfort in, okay, that thing over there, I'm going to snipe it just because it's it's already been indicated to me that it's something I can kill without penalty, mm-hmm. get some good loot, and you know move on yeah. with my day. Um, so in a way, I guess I am an evil. Karma. <laughs> Doing all the good I can, except when... That's know. an issue they addressed a little bit in New Vegas, because sort of every subgroup had its own, like, relationship with you. Yeah. Uh, and there were a couple raider factions... And the that wild be, animals and things. Yeah, yeah. That, that could be neutral, so there were specific ones. And then there were still just the, the generic raiders and, you know, the wild creatures that would attack you. Yeah. Uh, and in practice... I don't remember it feeling dramatically different to me because because there were still the generic ones. Yeah. So I was like, well, it's cool that, you know, these other factions don't hate me just because I did some g- generally bad things that they somehow know about. And, and <laughs> I think if I... From the paper? They right. also do, like, very specific plot point things to where, like, if you do the bad thing against the Brotherhood, now there's Brotherhood enemies. And, yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. still, like, that's about as deep as it, it gets. But Fallout 3 didn't even do any of no. that. Um, and I don't want to fault it for that. No. I, I just yeah. I just think it's an interesting thing to think about because mm-hmm. I thought about it more when I was yeah. playing through. Um, and yeah, it was honestly so so after having I haven't played Fallout Three since I played Fallout New Vegas and Fallout Four and Fallout Seventy Six um, <laughs> and Fallout Shelter and Fallout Shelter. Don't forget <laughs> about that one. Um, I it really is interesting the things that I. This is sort of a weird way to say it, but I forgot I didn't need. To enjoy the game? Because, like, yeah. I remember when Fallout... I, I was it for New Vegas that did Iron Sights? Uh, New Vegas. New Vegas, New Vegas. Yeah. I remember people were like, whoa, this is crazy. and and But, like, I haven't really noticed they've been gone in yeah. Fallout 3. Mm. You know? Like, it's... Use the radical. Well, use actually, VATS a lot more. Yeah. I found it really refreshing to rely on VATS. Mm-hmm. Because I can play, like, it. an action game without yeah. feeling, like, stressed out. Yeah. I can yeah. just kind yeah, of absolutely, you know. and it's completely frozen. Like in four, right? Yeah. You're doing like super slow mo, but it's yeah. eventually going to kill you if you don't yeah. make a decision. Mm-hmm. I do. I I liked that, and I liked having action points. And I I, I even in New Vegas and four, I used bats a fair amount because I just. I still like the turn-based kind of feel of it. Mm-hmm. And the, it's the stri- just like a, a pause because it, yeah. it can be like things can get in your face really quick yeah. and your health can start going down really fast. So just a 
pause. I remember the first time I played Fallout 3, though, and and I I played, when I first was introduced to the vets, I thought it was a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, this is, it breaks the game, it breaks the narrative, it breaks the flow, it breaks all of that. But then it's so useful that uh, it really does put you into a, uh, the opposite is true, too. If if you're in a place and you go around a corner and you're being mobbed by all of these things that you can't possibly get to quick enough, mm-hmm. um, that really breaks the game. Mm-hmm. But that was that's actually way more common than than having a solution for that. And yeah. it's, just, it's really interesting to me because it felt like a really creative solution to a problem of, like a technical problem with mm-hmm. FPS games at the time, right? Yeah. At least like, for Bethesda. At like, least for Bethesda, right? Especially because like, that was right as after Oblivion came out. Right, mm-hmm. so they sort of have the first person thing figured out. But as a shooter, like the action, the level of action and the level of being able to aim is is, is difficult, especially within that engine, which has yeah. problems. Which is uh, also <laughs> built for fantasy RPG at that yeah. point. Like adding guns to it was essentially a mod. Essentially, yeah. they just modded Oblivion until it was Fallout Three. Um, modded it into Oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I just really appreciate it as a really cool... Because, again, like, talking about, like, them adding iron sights, once uh-huh. they did that, I didn't use vats as often because it felt... Mm-hmm. Like, it's essentially, they just made it feel more like a modern I don't shooter. remember... Uh, what is iron sights? I don't remember. Uh, it's where, lining the gun up. Yeah, where the gun comes up here and oh, you can okay. sort of see down the side of the okay, gun. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Instead of just being, like, a side. Right. Being, like, a little pointer. It's also pretty, pretty interesting because they had to thread the needle pretty carefully. So, I mean, Fallout 1 and 2 still had a pretty significant fan base mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it was only a decade since right. fallout 2 came out yeah when they're coming out with fallout 3 and then you know ideally they still want to appeal to those people uh but also make a game in their wheelhouse so you've got to mm-hmm. be like okay you liked um tactical rpgs like turn-based rpgs well, we made a, a first-person shooter, yeah. 3D. But it has vats. But it has vats, so you can still take... Well, yeah, it's a great you know. middle ground, yeah. right? A way to yeah. still make it feel yes. like you were making tactical decisions. It's yeah. so satisfying, you know, to point and have it tell you you have a 10% chance to hit this thing, and then you hit it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, right. Or get out of vats and then just shoot it. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> that was That is a kind of sucker move, though, that I used a lot more yeah, this time just around. Just activate yeah. it and turn it off. Well, well so, lots of games do that on purpose, though. No, but I mean, like, so most of the long-range shooting in Fallout 3, and I think, if I remember right, in New Vegas as well, if you have, a, like, a zero-spread weapon, uh-huh. and you're, you know, 500 yards yeah. away from something, Vats is going to tell you you have virtually no chance of hitting it, but all you have to do is get your sights to turn red, and, and then it's, you know, yeah. it's going to hit it, and so... Um, so that's, the, you know, there's always that kind of mixture of, of gaming it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Back out of vats and just smash the trigger. And just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, shoot. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, it, it's amazing. I, I'm actually curious if, um, because I switched from my, the first time I played in, in 08 and now, um, if you guys all, did you guys do third person or first person? I always play first person in the okay. I, I totally Except s- for in Elder Scrolls Online. I think we talked about that a little mm-hmm. bit when we okay. did that episode. I switched contextually. So when I get into a fight, I go into first person. Okay. When I'm exploring something, uh, I typically play a lot of the time in third person. Okay. Uh, so I was, in 08, I played it entirely third person. I, I found first person really unsettling. Yeah. Like, I, it just felt too, like, I needed a little distance, and being in third person gave me that. And this time, I played first person the whole way, and it, it going to third person felt weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure what's changed, but... but uh, mm. But I know for certain that early on, like when I was younger, I, I would get really anxious playing in first person. Like it was mm-hmm. just too, everything felt too close. Yeah. Yeah. And so having that separation where it was mm-hmm. like, it wasn't me, it was this little guy. Right. Right. And I was controlling the little guy. Having that kind of separation, the abstraction of it was really co- comforting, I guess, is the easiest way to put it. I, I am the flip of that. I am way more comfortable being in the first person. Third person seems too far removed most of the time, uh, and I feel like I'm not in control. So yeah, I definitely, it, it breaks uh, it for me. With, specifically with this game and other Bethesda games, I do feel like in, if I'm in third person, I have like a little guy I'm like walking around, and it's like, mm-hmm. it it's just sort of, it's not nearly this as fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can I can do it. It's, I will sometimes swap just to see, try it out, and I'm just like, no. I really like seeing one my armor like just that's true walking around i would like pick out armors that were like you know worse than what i had access to 
nice. just because yeah. I thought they looked cool. Well, but right now I look like a badass in a power armor with a death claw gauntlet as <laughs> Janet from the. Uh, <laughs> well, well, going back to Monster Hunter World, uh, I didn't wear any pants armor because I always wanted to see him in the hot pants. <laughs> yeah, same yeah. thing. You run behind him. Right. Well, and it's funny, right? Because both both types have have continued to be wildly successful, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Assassin's Creed is basically all third yeah. person. Yeah. Um, the new Jedi Fallen Order is third person. Um, I mean, there there are games that do it by choice and want you to yeah. want you to have that separation. And then obviously there's a ton of first, you know, FPSs that that are again wildly successful. So there's there's nothing inherent in mm -hmm. one or the other that mm -hmm. like one is better or one is more secure or one is more emotionally stable. But it's just in, like I think it'd be fun to take like a thou like do like interviews with thousands of gamers and like hear why they make or why they care about yeah. one or the other. Mm -hmm. It's just an interesting psychological choice, right? Yeah. Especially when the games start to do like switching automatically. Like if you're in third yeah. person then you you go to aim pulls into first person. Yes, like a lot, a lot of games, games will do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. You know, I think that's yep. pretty interesting because Fallout gives you the choice to swap it at any time. Mm -hmm. um, right. And it's, I think, also partly interesting to ask what the what the designers are doing in terms of what they want you to see. Right? So the, the new Tomb Raiders, even the old ones, I think, were third person, mm -hmm. but the new ones, right, I think a big part of what they're trying to do is sort of show you Lara Croft. Mm -hmm. I mean, partly for titillating reasons, but also in the newest ones, I think to kind of show her as this vulnerable character yeah. who's, you know, who's being kind of bounced around this world and, and struggling. And, and um, so I think there's there's a lot of motivation in, in kind of, not her in particular, but showing like a body mm -hmm. and having that body experience a bunch of things that you're then experiencing as in a kind of movie-like way. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was a long explanation, but I've just been thinking about it. Yeah. And I think with newer games, when they're mocap like that, like Fallout Three, has hilariously <laughs> bad character it's really bad. <laughs> Um You just like kind of just like ice skate across the wasteland, uh, and you can jump like five feet in the air. Yeah, <laughs> there's no sprinting. You kind of just yeah, yeah you, do you, a light, light jog. jog everywhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, some giant death claws chasing you. And you're but it's just mm -hmm. so, so, nice. so that's so interesting to me because that's another thing that I when I played Fallout Three, I never question they're not like i felt like the speed was fine yeah i never wanted the sprint yeah. but now that they added it going back i'm just like whoa right. like I, and, and <laughs> I, after a while i get used to it and it's fine it's just like yeah. it's it, it's just sort of like the iron sights to me right it's like i didn't realize that there are all these things yeah. that got added later that i don't really need to uh, my, the game my 400th trip from crater side supply back to my house. Yeah. I definitely wanted it to go a little fast. I was gonna say, even the first time I was playing it, I definitely wished for a sprint. I was like, I did why is crater side I... supply so far from my house? Because yeah. somehow, even though I've spent, I mean, God, it's probably literally a thousand hours in Fallout 3 across all the different platforms over the last 10 years of my life. I still can't figure out Megaton. Like, I get lost every time oh, I yeah. try to go. I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna go. Greater side supply, or I'm going to go to my house, or I'm going to go to the bar, and no, I mess it up every time. Especially like, at night. It's yeah. just impossible at night. Yeah. Like, I have no idea where I am. I end up on the other side, and I'm like, okay, so <laughs> yeah, it's over there, right. and I'm trying to, like, hop over railings, yeah. and yeah. There's that cow. You're caught under a pipe. So maybe that's not the best instance of level design at all. <laughs> maybe not. Well, I, I think that maybe it kind of is, because it get, really gives the cobbled... The feeling of a, a, a really it randomly really captures it, it cobbled together also, city. I love that sort of scene of when you walk up to Megaton and you talk to the Protectron and then he opens the door yes. and that animation, you never see it again. Deputy, uh, mm -hmm. what's his name? Weld. Weld. Deputy yeah. Weld. And it's like an old like aircraft engine that like pulls this thing. Like yeah. it's super, like it yeah. looks like this crazy steampunk With the big fans city, right? like running yeah. to get the... Well, and have... the whole town feels like a giant, like... Rusty monstrosity. They have a couple pretty nice set piece moments like that, right? They like do. the first time you walk out of Alt 101, you get the yeah. big cutscene and you find Megaton. When you go to Rivet City, they have to swing the, the bridge. bridge. Yeah. I've forgotten about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's the cool yeah. explosion when you run out of Raven Rock towards the last half of the game yeah. and you turn around and like the whole mountainside explodes. Yep. Uh, there's some cool stuff like that that. They, they sprinkle in just a little bit. Yeah. But that's uh, also, you know, totally optional. You can just never have to play the game and do that. Yeah. Like, 
I honestly feel like my first couple characters in Fallout, I never even got close to finishing the main storyline. And not yeah. because I like chose not to, just because I was doing other so stuff. So much other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that happened for me in Skyrim. I, I, I never exactly. I never finished I Skyrim. Too. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> there was a point in Skyrim, and this is a, sort of an interesting thing I, I also want to talk about if we have time, which is the sort of the, the detail of the quest, but also the limited number of quests in Fallout yeah. 3. Because um, interestingly, there aren't that many. There's yeah. about 20-ish yeah. like, Which cool is, quests. It's probably like one-tenth the number that are in Skyrim. Yeah. Yeah. But I stopped playing Skyrim, and when I stopped playing, I had like 110 quests in my quest thing. Like I, I was so overwhelmed with the number yeah. of things I, was, I had in my list, and I was like, I can't, I just can't do anymore, and I don't want to finish the main quest, and I'm just done. But with this, I, I got to a point, actually, the second playthrough, this this long one, where I was sad that, like, I wanted another quest. I was mm -hmm. like, there must be someone out you there. You have to go to New me. Vegas. <laughs> yeah. well, that's I was like, where are you people who need things yeah. done? Yeah. So I have that experience, but I also feel like there doesn't need to be that many quests because half of my enjoyment is just going and finding some random house to look through. And yeah. Going yeah. To, mm -hmm. The exploration... Uh, it's so much of the enjoyment is just doing. Is again, just being Bethesda a games are so great at that, just giving you so much to explore. Yeah, and I could just do that in any of their games, almost infinitely. I played it so much in middle school that I would like go throughout my day, and I'm like, what could you scavenge in here? Uh -huh. Fallout, like what would be <laughs> in the room? Right, uh -huh. <laughs> like sitting in class, uh -huh. and I'm like, huh? Yeah, a music book, perhaps. <laughs> yep. Now, and so interestingly for me, though, I, I actually hit the wall with that mm -hmm. on this playthrough. So the first time I played, mm -hmm. again, like 100 hours, I, I was like that. I was like, I couldn't wait for the next building with a door on the front of it. And I was like, what am I going to find in there. here? But in this playthrough, I felt differently. I felt like my motivation to just go look for stuff wasn't quite yeah. there. So for mm -hmm. me, that was the case too this time, but it was mainly just because every time I did, I was like, oh, I remember this. Yeah, oh, I remember so I this. think that's part oh, I remember of it. Because yeah. I'd been through it all before. That goes back to what I was saying earlier about the, the post-apocalyptic genre, is even when you do have slightly different set pieces of these little towns and things yeah. like that, and, and they did a great job making all of the houses individual so they're not all cookie cutter. Yeah. But... There's still you're still only gonna find a toilet with with bad water in it, and you're gonna find yeah. an empty bottle right. here and a bottle of whiskey here and a, all yeah, of this and kind of stuff. After the seventh over metro over. tunnel, you're like, this is another metro tunnel. Right. Yeah, right. And, and I think that I, I experienced a kind of fatigue with that mm -hmm. that I didn't remember feeling at all the first time I played, and and so that's I think partly why I felt like. I just want I want somebody to tell me somewhere I need to go where something interesting yeah. is going to happen and 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 that's yeah I was just like but if you if you compare that to like Skyrim for example you've got almost different cultural realms and different uh, the, the, just the, the 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 realm of of you know going up to the ice in the north and then rifting down the south and all of those and then you have all the old dwarf fortresses I mean, it's just and a things much like that bigger game in general yeah yeah, yeah. But you're right, the variety of, of um, architectural styles. And, and you've got right. areas with dragons, you've got areas with elves, you've got areas with uh, all of these different kinds of things like Black that. Reach. At least for me, an element that was hard to go back to was because uh, there was a novel aspect to being able to pick up like everything in a room pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Even though <laughs> most of it was useless unless you had specifically gotten the vampire perks. And you're like, oh, these blood packs are yeah. great now. Or if you knew right. the exact person to sell this specific thing to. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but making most a railway gun. still just junk. Even after you get all the crafting recipes and special little yeah. valuable things, it's just, you can kind of sell it, maybe. Yeah. But to me, uh, I like that, though. Because, like, in, in the later fallout games it's like this thing is going to be useful somewhere because i can break it into its constituent mm -hmm. parts right yeah like i can like a duct tape is adhesive and yeah you know yeah. a clock is springs and so on one hand so I, I i appreciate both of those different things for different reasons one because like i the idea of like everything like necessitating reuse in a setting like this totally makes sense mm -hmm. so you can find a use for anything but in Fallout 3, it feels more like I just need what I need to survive. Yeah. Like, I'm going to pick through, and this is junk, this yeah. is junk, this is junk, this is food. Like. <laughs> exactly. Does any... Now, this is raises another question. So <laughs> I, I never eat in Fallout 3. Oh, I oh, yeah. eat all the time. Okay. I, if I... So if I have time, 
I will always pause the game and go and I'll eat 20 cases of mm. crayon before I will use a stim pack. So what difficulty do you play on, though? Uh, just normal. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I run out of items to consume on very hard. I'll do it just to make stim packs last longer, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, like, out of, like, stim packs and I've eaten my, like, 16th can of dog food okay. and, like, <laughs> spam yeah. and everything and I'm just, like, I need more healing items. Yeah, um, I so I play on normal or whatever the default is and so... Yeah, by the end of the game, along with my 16,000 caps, I had like 180 stim packs and <laughs> yeah. 70 packs of Rad Away. And, mm-hmm. um, and I had my own little, like, my own little uh, doctor station in my house. So I would just clear my radiation See, every time. It, like, yeah. it doesn't matter how much of that stuff I already have, I will continue to pick up every single useful, <laughs> consumable yeah. item. Well, what's funny to me is that I, I, um, I really. F- even now, like, I felt it less now than I did in 08, but I hated being irradiated. Like, I yeah. found it really, like, I Me always too. wanted my radiation to be at zero, and whenever it crept up to, like, anything above zero, I, as fast as I could, I was looking for a way to get back to zero. And I have huh. no idea Does it why. feel, it almost feels viscerally sickening, yeah. right? Yeah. You feel like, like I, have, I feel like, like my hair's like going to fall out. anthrax or something. Right, yeah. And I'm like, I got to get this out of here. I have to take care of this well, right now. There's something in my ear. I, I totally get that, too. Yeah, so that, that really discouraged me from... From eating. Yeah. So Fallout um, 76 did some interesting stuff with that because you can actually gain mutations if you're irradiated for too long. Uh, and when you de-radiate yourself, you lose you them. You can lose them. Yeah. That's That's cool. And yeah. they're ridiculous also over-the-top things. Yeah, like at nice. one point I had kangaroo legs and could jump 20 feet in there. Wow. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> but so that's, it's interesting because I, I actually didn't care about the radiation for the most part at all in Fallout. Like, I used to a lot more, but this I, time I did not. I would just sort of bump it down, like, so that my health was, or my, my strength was being reduced by, like, a reasonable amount, because it, I think you lose, like, a point for yeah. every 200 rads you increase. But with the newer Fallout games, it, it reduces your maximum health, which felt like way yeah. more of a crisis yeah. to me. It's a huger issue. Uh, yeah. I pretty much never kept any radiation on in the newer games, but I would regularly have, like, yeah. six or 700 rads, and I'm like, eh, <laughs> it's not 800 yet. <laughs> oh. Like, I have... Like, 14 strength anyway. It feels so, dirty, right? doesn't it, Joe? <laughs> it does. Well, and what's funny is the weather mod that I was using, um, one of the things that's switched on that that I immediately switched off as soon as I realized it is that the the rainstorms are radioactive. Right. <laughs> so, like, I'm, like, out, and I'm, like, I've just gotten out of the vault. I'm exploring the little red rocket area, and it starts to rain. I'm, like, oh, it's starting to rain, and then the radiation meter goes off. I'm, like, what's happening? Did I step in a puddle? And I'm, like, no, it's the rain. And I couldn't find anywhere to get inside. And so I'm, like, scrambling. I tried to go under a car, but apparently that didn't do any good. And so then immediately I was like, I can't, I can't play this entire game (laughs) knowing that anytime it starts raining, I'm going to have to like, it's, but part of me, it's too real. It's a really fun design idea though. Like that you'd be like the exposure level is constantly like a threat, but I just couldn't, I couldn't take it. So I, (laughs) I, I turned it off. So. Uh, before we get, we are, are running out of time, but I did want to mention one thing that was hugely, wonderfully enjoyable and important to me, and it's in so many Bethesda games, is the character creation through narrative process. Yeah. I have loved that since the Daggerfall games, when you're when you're creating your constellations and things like that. They do such a good job of contextually making a character that feels so much better than just saying, I'm going to pick these things. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pick these numbers and put a a bunch of points into these categories. Um, I just love, and the way that they kept it with the narrative with the goat test and everything else. I think Fallout 3 is like the peak of them doing that, right? Because it's just... It's just perfect. Yeah, I yeah, just love yeah. it. So you take much. your aptitude test, and then yeah. you're like, "Well, well I guess I'm a barber." Like, like, <laughs> just got in a fight with the tunnel snakes. But, but now the, I gotta the physical, like the character creation of like, here's what you're gonna look like yeah, when you grow yeah. up, and then you yeah. play as a toddler, and then you're playing. Yeah, your yeah. it's so so, uh-huh. so satisfying. Yep. It's so. I just I remember the first time playing it, thinking this was just completely groundbreaking. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. And I was just like, "This is just just yep amazing." So. I know we're almost out of time, but something really funny that always reminded me of. I know what you're talking about. So you can escape (laughs) on PC. You can open up console commands. You can leave the vault when you're a baby. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes, you can. And you're you're just you're a one foot tall child, and all the children in Fallout are 
ugly, like they're terrifying. Uh, yeah. And yeah, you can go and pick up guns, and it's, oh, that's it's delightful. <laughs> I kind of want to get it on PC just to do that. Yeah, it's okay. yeah. There's a couple of other hacks like that that we we can't, but. There's there's one of the one of the underground metros, the one that runs to Adams Air Force Base, and the like. If you see it from the outside, it's like this monstrosity of yeah. like it's like the player's body. They made like, it a hat. Yeah, so exactly. You, you like, so you're wearing uh, exactly. That was that's, I forgot. That's what it was. And so you're wearing it as a hat. The entire metro train. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and then you just run really fast. <laughs> it's so good. Well, game design, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Yeah. What do you do if you want something to follow the player? You parent it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So we're running out of time for this episode. Um, we want to go around the, the the room and get around the table and give closing thoughts. Sure. So, I mean, I love Fallout Three. It's the game I picked for, for <laughs> our favorite games season. Uh, I. We'll never forget that whole sequence of like coming out of the vault, mm-hmm. running off in the wrong di- direction, uh, and running into a super mutant for the first time. Mm-hmm. And just rounded a corner and laid into me with a minigun, and somehow I still won. And like that moment, I was hooked. I was so excited about like all the stuff you could do in this world uh, and sort of all the the options there were. Uh, so that had a lasting impact on me. Um, I've been sort of chasing that feeling. Ever since then, <laughs> so yes. drugs, alcohol, it, whatever uh, it takes. Works. Uh, uh, the high is not the same. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've just I've spent so much time of my life talking about Fallout Three. <laughs> and now another hour. Another hour goes by like nothing, and there's so much more to talk about. Um, it's just such a good game. I feel like it gets overshadowed by some of the newer Fallout games, which are also excellent in just different ways. Um, and I really don't know what else to say other than just, like, the level design is excellent, the just the experientialness of it is excellent. And despite what a lot of people say, I actually think it's a really pretty game. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say it's really ugly and it, just because it has a pretty muted color palette, but I just there's so many moments in that game that are just beautiful. Mm. We didn't even talk about companions. Uh. <laughs> anyway, too late. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, the loop of explore, loot, repair, kill stuff is, you know, uh, particularly like, I, even though I, ca- I kind of remembered stuff, I, it was still, I was like, oh, right, there's this whole cool thing I can do over here. And, and, but, yeah, it's a great loop, um, and I think some of the later games, like like I, I thought it was a huge mistake in four to have me feel like I was like some sort of communal like manager. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, the the lone wanderer is the lone wanderer, right? And so, so I think Fallout Three for me captures that idea. Mm-hmm. It's just me, and I'm just I got nothing tying me down. So if I if I want to leave Megaton forever, I leave Megaton forever. Um, and I, like you guys, I feel like Fallout 3 captures that really, really well. And I, it's a game that, it's a classic every designer should study. Mm-hmm. I love that it took, and we didn't talk about uh, Fallout 1 or 2 very much in this, but I played those games, especially yep. Fallout 2, um, like crazy. Um, and I love that it, that Fallout 3 really updated that idea and pulled all a lot so many of the best parts and then just made them better mm-hmm. um with with making it a first person shooter making it just a wider world uh those hit all the right buttons the narrative uh and the the, the amount of choices and the amount of narrative content in this uh is just makes it a fantastic game and is one of the reasons why bethesda is one of my all-time favorite game companies absolutely ever with this and Skyrim and so many others. Um, all right. I will thank you guys for joining us this month. If you, as always, if you played along with us, uh, talk to us on Facebook about it or on our webpage in the comments down below. Um, we want to uh, thank Kevin McLeod for the wonderful theme music uh, called Plain Loafer that's playing down beneath us right now. Um, next month, for the month of December, which is actually the month we're in right now, uh, we're a little bit late if you haven't <laughs> noticed. Uh, 
But we're taking this month off because it is the holiday. We are jam-packed with uh, travel and uh, uh, holiday get-togethers and things like that. So in the month of January for season five, we are going to play mobile games. Uh, we've been kind of toying around with that idea for a while, but we're each going to pick a mobile game for the, each episode in Season 5. And we're going to try, we've talked a little bit about this already, we're going to try to play not the game of the year mobile games that are fantastic and awesome and the ones that you've heard of, but the really weird ones that you keep seeing ads for or the ones that are just really an interesting way to uh, interact with, with the mobile mobile game uh, interface. Uh, so I hope you guys look forward to that as much as we do. Um, and I think that's it for the month of November. We'll see you guys in January. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.